1: And welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Katie Halper.
2: And I'm Mary Maté, sitting in for Maté.
1: For the year. For the year. Yeah. I think we can stop saying that. Really? I think you can just say I'm Mary Maté. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Peace out, Matt.
1: Yeah. Bye. You I'm my you own do man. Lose. I'm
2: my own man now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You don't <laughs> want to You don't want to give out that vibe of imposter syndrome.
2: <laughs> no, I don't. No, I do not. No. So. no. All right. Cool. So I also should, just stop calling myself Aaron Mataibe, too.
1: Yeah, I know. Although that's a fun one. You could transition with that. You could do that for a couple of weeks before okay. you really All come right. out as full Aaron Mataibe. We'll keep that
2: going. Yeah. How's your week? Go in my parents' basement. Um, being held hostage. By choice,
1: But by choice.
2: By choice. Yes. By yes. choice. No, having have a great time. And, uh, yeah, I'm just watching, uh, this, um, you know, unfolding Russia U S standoff with great interest. Um, Every day is uh, a new adventure.
1: Yeah, I saw that Ukrainian leaders and officials were trying to warn the world that Russia is not uh, about to invade them.
2: Yes, uh, the U.S. has been pulling out its embassy staff from Kiev. The U.S. has been warning of a false flag by Russia. The U.S. has been warning of a coup by Russia and Ukraine. But unfortunately, Ukraine's not getting the memo because they're telling everyone to chill out, including the U.S., and that they don't think that a Russian invasion is imminent. So they're not exactly all on message right now,
1: you know what it reminds me of It's like when you're when you have a breakup and your friends like gather like gather the troops and tell you how terrible your ex is, mm. and you're like, actually, no, it's fine
2: <laughs>
1: like he wasn't that bad or he didn't do that, or you don't have to hate him. <laughs> do you know what I mean It's like yeah. Ukraine is like the 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 ex who's telling their friends like chill, chill,
2: yeah. Yeah, X isn't yeah. that
1: bad. You don't have to hate him. You don't have to like cancel him.
2: Yeah. And the, but the friends want war. The friends yeah, want the all friends out. Want war. war.
1: Yeah. You they know? want, they want slash and yeah. Slash and burn. But let's just get into our four basic food groups. Let's do it. Let's do it. And we'll start off with you with Democrats suck.
2: So many candidates always for Democrats. I know, suck. So many this week. Uh, I mean, there's the obvious one. Everyone's made fun of it, but it's just so funny. Uh, Jen Saki talking about the latest setback in the campaign for voting rights. And she had this advice for Democratic voters.
3: So my advice to everyone out there who's frustrated, sad, angry, pissed off, feel those emotions. Go to a kickboxing class, have a margarita, do whatever you need to do this weekend, and then wake up on Monday morning. We gotta keep fighting. And what that means, Lindsay, is we have to keep talking to members about federal legislation. That's essential. That's something that can be permanent, that can make sure people's rights are protected. But we also need to uh, make sure people are educated in states across the country about what their rights are, uh, how they can vote, when they can vote, how to request an absentee ballot. There's a lot we need to do on that front, and that's gonna rely on the energy and the of those, that activism as well. I wonder if she
1: saw our show last week because what we talked about exercise. Exor- well, we talked about exercise and fitness. I wonder mm-hmm. if that gave her the idea to incorporate exercise as a mm-hmm. as a treatment in our, you know, in despair over uh, disenfranchisement.
2: <laughs> My question was like, do you think a single person act- out there actually tried her advice? Do you think anybody actually took a king- kickboxing class and had a margarita, or was that well, truly just her her own? Is that truly just her own interest because i was saying is there anything if if there's like a list of all the most unrelatable actions like right i think a kickboxing class and a margarita i don't know i don't know about everyone's personal drink choices but a margarita seems to be pretty esoteric and just uh uh out of touch like not so many people are, are drinking margaritas and taking kickboxing classes
1: well certainly hopefully not in that order that would make her sure. very sloppy, unsafe. You guys, I'm gonna make a PSA. Do not have the margarita before your kickboxing class because <laughs> you could injure yourself and others. Um, but I actually think you're underestimating. You're almost invisibilizing a sector of wine moms in our society mm. for whom I think <laughs> this may be a regular practice.
2: Mm.
1: Both as like individual activities, like a one-off. Not one off, but you know, uh, isolated kickboxing classes, isolated margarita consumptions, and I bet, yeah. just statistically speaking, they're gonna have days where they do both.
2: Is kickboxing still a prevalent a thing? Name? I just ha- I haven't even heard about it in so long. It's it reminds it's very nineties to me.
1: Oh, remember like, like step, step, remember step classes?
2: Yeah, and like that 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 like kickboxing home video guy.
1: Oh, um, uh, Billy something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tabata is that what I it just, was called? I just
2: haven't I haven't heard about it in a long time, so I was like, oh, kickboxing, True. okay.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I think some people do it. We have to have a wino mom on the show, or a wino not. You don't have to be a mom. I don't want to essentialize people, but yeah, what would really be nineties is what was it called? Step not stepmaster. That's a thing. Like you know, you'd like I I used to do those. You'd get up on a step and you'd get off. It was very very terrible thing. It's like a yeah. fake step.
2: Yeah, that's your step class. Yeah,
1: step class just regular yeah. step class. Okay, yeah, That was big. That was really big in the 90s. I think that's died out. I think that the the kickbox is a bit more um, resilient. I think it's okay. still here. Yeah. All right. But it, as you as you point out, I think to most Americans, it's not a very uh, comforting thing to hear. It's like, well, you don't have voting rights, but you do have access to alcohol and exercise.
2: Um, And, and I picked sort of like a like a two parter because I wanted to do something a little more serious, too. So Almost
1: like a jab and what was the I don't know it well enough hook a jab and hook, hook a jab and a hook jab. yeah oh yes a yeah. yes
2: a jab a jab and hook um, that basically now the problem is because uh, Democrats have pushed themselves into this uh, war footing with Russia they're constantly threatening war Biden threatening to move troops they're threatening new sanctions all the time now Democrats are starting to worry about what actually happens if a war does break out or what happens if a war doesn't break out. Right. And what a, what this Washington Post article says, Biden faces no easy options on Ukraine and Democrats fret he could look weak. And which is such a funny thing to worry about. Um, and the first sentence say, says, President Biden's aides insist that domestic politics are not part of his calculation in managing the unfolding crisis in Ukraine. The Democratic strategists increasingly worry that Biden faces no easy options to avert a seemingly imminent Russian invasion of Ukraine And that no matter how he handles russian president vladimir putin's escalation he could end up looking (laughs) weak so no matter what he does biden could look weak and yeah i mean that's what happens when you um threaten war with a nuclear power and you create a situation that has put you in this place by basically and there's a long history to go through we've talked about it before but basically the Obama-Biden admin launched a coup in Ukraine in 2014. That sparked this ongoing eight-year war. And then Biden has escalated that in recent months with, you know, threats of more war and more sanctions and not willing to take Russia's request seriously, which includes a binding request that Ukraine not join NATO, which, by the way, is what the Biden administration already believes anyway uh, won't happen. They don't, they right. say that Ukraine won't join NATO. But instead of engaging with that now biden's put himself in a position where if he doesn't start a war his aides feel that fear that he will look weak that's yeah. a very quintessential democrat
1: yeah that is very dim.
2: it comes down to they accused trump of being soft on russia for uh, uh uh four years basically right in part because he didn't want to start a war <laughs> w- yeah. with russia and now they put themselves in the exact same position where by their own standards if they don't do what they were basing the criticism of trump on then they now look weak. So yeah. it's a total own goal and it's dangerous.
1: Yeah, total own goal. Very, and they're also
2: pushing, they're also meanwhile readying a new measure to spend more money on weapons for Ukraine. This is from The Intercept. Democrats are rushing through a massive Ukraine defense bill. They want to spend something like $500 more million dollars on weapons for Ukraine um, after U.S. has already shipped $2.7 billion worth of weapons, U.S. weapons to Ukraine since 2014 and this comes after as they constantly tell people we don't have enough money for build back better we don't have enough right. money for child care all these things we do have an extra 500 million dollars to send more useless weapons to ukraine
1: lethal they're not useless right
2: U- useless and lethal weapons to ukraine yeah i mean they don't yeah. include the useless part but they are because even if you even if you're a crazy neocon and you accept that we should be fueling a proxy war on russia's borders right U.S. can't send enough weapons to make a difference because it's right. not a U.S. state. The U.S. physically isn't there, so right. Russia always has the military advantage. It's, so it's useless just,
1: as in like changing the outcome, but yeah. it's it's yeah, but they're not yeah. impotent weapons. They're not. They could kill, not but they, they won't could, change the outcome.
2: They could definitely kill, but they're not yeah. going to change the outcome. And what they will do is just enrich military contractors in D.C. Yeah,
1: so it's a win-win.
2: Yeah, it's a win-win, and it's Democrats suck.
1: It's Democrats suck. Yeah, yeah. it's quintessential. damn suck. So let's move to Republicans suck. I thought we could keep it local, you know, go from the macro to the micro mm-hmm. and a heartwarming story about um, some Republicans in Indiana. This also is like a one 2 punch, if you will, to continue the kickboxing metaphor. So let's see the first part of what these uh, Indiana House Republicans did Is they shot down a child care tax deduction amendment now to be fair this is kind of what the dems do thanks to joe manchin who you know blocked the child uh credit child tax credit um indiana house republicans have blocked an amendment to a bill that would potentially save working parents thousands of dollars the amendment to house bill 1002 was proposed by democratic state rep chris campbell it would have created a state income tax deduction for employment related child expenses ProCare Solutions says average infant care costs more than $1,000 per child on average. The average child care cost for a four-year-old is about $800 a month. The amendment would have saved up to $10,000 per child annually. Uh, this $10,000 tax deduction from your income tax would really help our families and go a long way to helping families that are trying to return to work and manage child care, Campbell said. Uh, But House Republicans defeated the amendment with a vote of 25 to 57. Campbell, the good news, I guess, is Campbell says she plans on proposing the amendment again next year. And let's follow that up with something else that they did, which, to be fair to the Republicans, is pretty on brand. And not only did they block that, but they also blocked a teacher compensation plan um so uh it would have created the next level teachers compensation trust fund it was designed to help pay indiana teachers higher wages the amendment transferred the state's remaining reserve balance at the end of state fiscal year that is in excess of 2.5 billion dollars to the fund but house republicans defeated the amendment with a vote of 58 to 26. there you go republicans bringing it and opposing both teachers and children which actually makes sense it's a nice coupling
2: yeah, they often go together.
1: They often go together, yeah.
2: A large part of their lives, right? So why not, weigh J, assault on
0: both of them at the same time? It's yeah.
2: uh, efficient.
1: It's efficient. It's true. Anyway, so if you care about children or teachers, uh, this party is not for you.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
1: Hmm. So let's see, let's go on to Isn't That Weird?
2: So for Isn't That Weird, we have a monkey love triangle. Love triangle challenges reign of Japan's monkey queen. Yaki, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, became a rare alpha female of a macaque troop in a nature reserve, but a kind of simian love triangle may endanger her grip on power. Smashing the patriarchy in the human world has been easier said than done. But last year, -year nine-year-old female Japanese, how do I pronounce it? Macaque. (laughs) But last year, a nine-year-old female Japanese macaque in a reserve in southern Japan showed humans how it's done by violently overthrowing the alpha male of her troop to become its first female leader in the reserve's 70-year history. This may be unusual, but is this weird? I mean this is actually inspiring. This is, you know, this is yeah. this is this is inspiring feminism right here.
1: Right. Maybe it's this is atypical or this is groundbreaking or this, this is, groundbreaking. is groundbreaking. Yeah. This is revolutionary. Yeah, this is revolutionary, yeah. 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 This is, yeah. 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 This is yeah. patriarchy smashing.
2: Yeah. The macaque named Yakai presides over a troop of 677 monkeys in Takasakiyama Natural Zoological Garden, which was established as a reserve for monkeys in 1952. There are two troops on the island reserve, and they spend most of their time roaming the forested mountain at its center. They also make daily visits to a park at the base of the mountain where the staff provides food. Since the reserve opened, its, task, its staff has kept tabs on the romantic and political struggles of its simian residents. Yakai's ascent to alpha status surprised both scientists and reserve workers who are now closely observing her reign to see how long she can maintain her supremacy. And with breeding season sending Yakai into the middle of, a of something like a messy love triangle, some experts wonder if she may be vulnerable to a usurper. So a lot of palace intrigue here.
1: Uh, we're engaging in some Kremlinology, I believe, mm-hmm. you know, there's some more interesting, if you allow me information in, in this article, uh, Jap- the Japanese macaque also known as the snow monkey is a highly intelligent species native to Japan. It is well known for its beet red bottom and affinity for soaking in hot springs. It sounds like it's living its best life, you know, soaking in hot springs, walking around with that beet red bottom and smashing the patriarchy (laughs) wow such a role model uh while many animals this is interesting while many animals including bees hyenas and elephants live in female-led societies a hostile takeover by a female quote is very rare in japanese macaque society and only a few cases have been reported in the history of primatology so and 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 japanese macaque society is based on a strict hierarchy the higher an individual monkey's rank the greater its access to food mates and resting locations. Females inherit the rank just below their mothers and rarely leave the troop they were born into. Males leave their natural troop upon reaching puberty and join a new troop where their rank is usually determined by the amount of time they've spent in the troop. However, rank is sometimes gained through acts of violence, typically male on male. Yaki confounded what primatologists expected among Japanese macaques. Last April, she beat up her, all right, again, trigger warning. Last April, she beat up her own mother to claim the top spot among the females of her troop. While most females would be content there, Yaki continued to fight. According to reserve, work, reserve workers, yake assaulted three high-ranking males, then came after Nanchu, who had led the group for five years. At the age of 31, Nanchu was elderly for a Japanese macaque and was ultimately no match for the young and determined Yaki. Quote, she physically attacked and defeated Nanchu, consequently acquiring the highest ranking in the troop, said Mr. Kaigashi, who studies the behavior of Japanese macaques. So after Yake's altercation with Nanju, reserve workers perform what is known as a peanut test, providing the monkeys with peanuts and seeing who eats first. Males and females stepped aside to let Yake eat first, a confirmation of her alpha status. So I feel like this is kind of a problematic story about uh, the intersection of feminist, uh, feminism and, um, Nonviolence, right because this is a story i don't i don't really think forget it she's not a role model because she made her way to the top through violence and that's not okay that's not the kind of feminism i aspire to
2: Sounds like a girl boss to me
1: i mean it is there's something hillary clinton she's giving off strong hillary clinton vibes yeah there's a, there's a lot of hillary clinton energy here or michelle florey florney yeah, nay or right? Yeah. another yeah. Or, or gina haspel
2: So you think that basically she is the neoliberal Democrat of the primate world? Yes. What do you think happened to the Bernie of the reserve?
1: Under a pile of shit, probably. Under a pile of
2: shit, yeah. I mean,
1: probably the bravest, best macaque out there. That's real. Really cared about the group. Probably used his finger a lot.
2: He's buried under a pile of shit as we
1: speak. Yeah, under a pile of shit. Actually, you know what? Maybe Bernie, the Bernie's, uh, that was my fault. Maybe Bernie's a uh, woman, a female mm. macaque. Mm. Mm. In which case, buried under a pile of shit and that beautiful red bead bottom is obscured. <laughs> so, yeah, good question. I like that question. Anyway, so isn't that weird? And isn't that isn't that a, a moral ethical conundrum? It really is. So isn't that terrible? We're going to continue with the uh, monkey theme. So let's just go to the next story. We actually, I, we have a, two videos that I think say it all, but it's about something that just happened in, um, in Pennsylvania.
4: The news this morning, monkeys on the loose in Montour County, state police say several laboratory monkeys escaped from a truck after a wreck outside Danville. Newswatch 16's Marshall Keeley spoke exclusively with a woman who saw it all unfold. It was an interesting Friday afternoon for Danville resident Michelle Fallon. She was right behind a truck pulling a trailer down the I-80 exit for Danville. She saw the vehicle trying to cross Route 54.
3: I'm thinking, you're going to get hit, and the next thing I know, the dump truck hits the trailer, and they both go down and hit the trees.
4: When she got out to check on the driver, she realized the trailer had dropped more than a dozen wooden crates.
3: I walk up back on the hill. And this guy tells me he goes, oh, he's hauling cats. I'm like, oh, Mm -mm. so I go over to look in the crate and there's this green cloth over it. So I peel it back. I stick my finger in there and go kitty, kitty. And it pops it up and it's a monkey.
4: State police say the truck was carrying about 100 lab monkeys. Four of them got out of their crates and ran away. Fallon saw one running into the woods. We've
3: seen one run across but They thought it looked like a small cat. It did look like a cat. They
4: were small. State police and Pennsylvania game wardens began combing the woods off of Route 54 in search of the monkeys, receiving aerial support from a state police helicopter with thermal cameras. After several hours of searching, investigators spotted at least one monkey. They shared this photo showing the creature high in a tree perched on a branch. But a short time later, investigators fired three shots. Crews left the scene soon after. Troopers did not comment on the nature of the weapon used or how many monkeys were captured or injured. State police warned the public some monkeys are still at large and should not be approached. Fallon says it's a day she'll never forget.
3: I've never thought I would ever see a monkey in Danville.
4: (laughs) If you encounter a monkey, you're asked to call 911. Marshall Keeley, Newswatch 16, Danville.
1: You know what I would do if I encountered one of those monkeys? I would arm it. A I monkey? would hand it a gun so it could defend itself. Because wow. these monkeys are resistance fighters.
2: They are. I mean, it's it's a tough one because you there's something kind of inspiring about, you know, free monkeys and yeah. monkeys freeing themselves from a lab experiment. At the yes. same time, it's you have to wonder about the dangers for them out there in the free world. It's
1: You're right.
2: You know. You know? Yeah,
1: this really is. That's actually a good point. It's really like a live free or die moment. Yeah. But who's to yeah. say, is that our choice to make? No, I think it, I think the, the choice lies with the monkeys. Like they are making no. that calculated risk. They probably read about the macaque. They're inspired by the playing around with the social hierarchy, with, you know, freedom. I'm rooting for them, though.
2: Now we're faced with this quandary because, you know, it is, it's, it's wintertime right now, too. It's got to be tough out there.
1: Well, you've heard of ML parties, right? ML, usually that means um, that's a reference to Marxist Leninist, but I'm huh. actually ML as in monkey liberationist.
2: Okay. This could be a new movement.
1: Free the monkeys. And also don't put your save fingers, the monkeys, <laughs> save, save the, the monkeys, monkeys, arm the monkeys. They should be shooting. They should be snipers from the trees. That's what they <laughs> should be doing. If I, I don't walk around with guns or else I would arm them. I would learn how to shoot and then teach mm-hmm. them, but maybe they already know how. But um, also, just uh, PSA: don't put your fingers in crates, even if it's a cat that you think, mm. even if you think it's a cat, because yeah. a cat could scratch you. I mean, like viewers and listeners only need to watch last week's episode where Aaron shared a cautionary tale, half cautionary tale, half confessional about how he wants his parents to put down the, Lucy the cat. This one. by the way, Lucy
2: this week has been very, very sweet.
1: Really? It's like well, she it's
2: like she watched the show. It's like she watched watch the, the show, show and it's just killing me with guilt.
1: Better well, she wants to kill you rather than kill her.
2: Yes. Yes, maybe.
1: So isn't that terrible and inspiring? Two mm. terrible slash weird slash morally ambiguous mm-hmm. really questioning uh, stories of monkey of monkey society.
2: Thank I'm you, sure. primates, for making us think
1: for yeah, challenging, seriously. for challenging yeah. us
2: constantly, you know?
1: Constantly, yeah. Giving they us some great some great
2: themselves. quandaries. It's like that Alanis Morissette song. Thank you, India. Yes. You know, we can Thank have an update. Thank monkeys. you, monkeys. Yeah.
1: Thank you, red bottom of cocks. It's a great song. <laughs> and then it just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, red bottom of Cox. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. I'd buy that single.
4: Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about
1: We are very excited to be talking to Jordan Sheridan, uh, independent journalist with the status coup, and he has a great uh, expose uh, that he's gonna talk to us about. And he's gonna talk to us about other things, including the state of the Democratic Party, Nina Turner, um, the strikes that he's been covering, uh, and his expose was published in The Guardian. Revealed the Flint water poisoning charges that never came to light. Welcome, Jordan Sheridan. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. For coming back to Useful uh, Idiots.
5: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Of course, uh, we want to start off by asking you about this great piece that you have that you uh, co-wrote uh, at the Guardian. Can you tell us about what you what you discovered?
5: Yeah, I mean, basically to simplify it, so people don't get too confused. Uh, there was a major uh, financial fraud that le- that resulted in the poisoning of Flint. Uh, basically, a uh, allegedly fraudulent uh, bond deal uh, that allowed Flint, which was broke in 2014, it didn't even have a credit rating, uh, to borrow $85 million somehow to join a new water system. So what uh, myself and Charlie LaDuff uh, found out was essentially the original uh, prosecution team that was investigating the Flint water crisis, they were uh, building a racketeering case, which is known as RICO, uh, RICO was created in the 1970s to go after organized crime, sometimes mafia figures. So they were building that kind of case uh, based on that financial fraud that led to the poisoning of Flint. Uh, they were on the verge of filing those charges against state of Michigan officials and others. Uh, but then the current attorney general, uh, she won election, Dana Nessel. She came comes into office in 2019. She purged that team that was building that was following the money and then she, she she fired them and then she never pursued uh that racketeering case so kind of a story of details on the financial fraud that led to the w- water crisis uh exposing that uh, as of now the current attorney general has basically swept it under the rug uh other details in the story show that if those financial charges had gone forward uh wall street particularly jp morgan and Wells Fargo who uh, they issued the bonds uh, for that allegedly fraudulent bond deal, that they were facing hundreds of millions of dollars in liability if uh, those financial charges had gone forward.
2: This special prosecutor who was like taken off the case, who was he and why was he fired?
5: Yeah, so basically, so your audience knows from 2016 to 2018, that's when the original investigation went on. the the attorney general of michigan at the time was a republican he appointed a special prosecutor so like like a Mueller for flint for the flint investigation uh that special prosecutor and his team they had charged 15 state and city officials uh with everything from involuntary manslaughter to misconduct in office to financial fraud but for some reason uh dana nessel when she was running for office uh to as a democrat to When attorney general, she started crapping on the investigation, calling it politically, a politically charged show trial and basically kind of poisoning the well before she got in there. So she, based on my sources, she basically wanted to get rid of anyone who was appointed by the Republican attorney general. And I guess take the glory of, you know, justice for Flint for herself and her prosecution team. But it never really made sense why she got rid of this whole team, because for an investigation that was as complicated as Flint, you're talking, you're investigating the health department, the environmental department, financial schemes. Um, you wouldn't want to just purge the whole team and start brand new three years later. You'd want to keep some people from that team. She did not keep most of the people from that team. So her Her given reasons for firing that prosecutor and team were that they didn't secure all the evidence, that there were like 20 million new documents that were found that they didn't secure. My reporting, that's not true. A lot of the documents that the current attorney general magically found were just kind of like duplicates uh, that the previous prosecutors were aware of, but they they had no investigative value. But it really, to your question, Aaron, it really has done a disservice to the people of Flint because that first prosecution team had momentum. Uh, previous reporting I did uh, for The Intercept, they were actually building a case against former Governor Snyder for involuntary manslaughter. They were building a case to go after the governor for, for involuntary manslaughter. Uh, when the current attorney general came in, fired that team, her, the prosecutor she put in place, they charged them with a misdemeanor last year. So not only is there a discrepancy between why was the previous investigation going to throw the book at state officials for financial fraud, but why is it that this current attorney general has not pursued those charges? But also, why is it that the previous prosecution was really going aggressively against the governor? This prosecution team charged him with a misdemeanor.
1: And she this is a bipartisan uh the, the misconduct was bipartisan, correct? The yeah, alleged I mean, misconduct, I should
5: say. Yeah, so basically uh, the bulk of it was the Snyder administration. He was Republican. So uh, a story I did last year uh, broke that literally Snyder's top officials had their phones wiped right, right. before the launch of the criminal investigation. Uh, a story I did previously to that uh, revealed that Snyder lied. He knew about the toxic water 16 months earlier than he told the public. Uh, so definitely in the in the actual process that Flint was getting the Flint River water, it was on the Republicans. However, I mean, the Democratic Party, uh, the people of Flint, you know, were excited. A Democratic governor was coming in. A Democratic attorney general was coming in. Obviously, they were not getting what they needed under Snyder. Uh, so people I speak to in Flint uh, are very disappointed. Uh, governor Whitmer in Michigan has not followed through on a lot of promises she made to them. And okay. the, current attorney, the current attorney general, who's a Democrat, uh, based on my reporting, has swept financial fraud under the rug, uh, gone a lot less aggressively against the governor uh, than her predecessors. Uh, and then there's Obama too. Obama was president when this happened. Uh, a lot of people focus on, oh, he went to go take a sip of water in this photo op. That was terrible. But what a lot of people don't realize is Obama uh, refused to declare Flint a disaster. He did not give it a federal disaster declaration. They gave it a state of emergency. That's that's important because a disaster declaration in addition to you know uh, releasing more funds to Flint, you could have sent the Army Corps the federal Army Corps of Engineers into Flint to dig up those pipes pretty much right away. Uh, but Obama did not uh, declare it a disaster. Under the reason federal disaster declarations are for hurricanes and you know natural disasters, I would argue an, an exception could have been made for the poisoning of this city. So Obama not only, you know, drank the water and which arguably Michael Moore says it wasn't even really, really Flint water. It was actually from Air Force One, but he also did not provide Flint what they needed. So definitely the, the original sin was under Republicans, but Democrats have certainly been in on this cover-up based on my reporting.
2: Why? Why do you think Obama didn't take the steps that he could have taken? Why did Obama not take the steps he could have taken on so <laughs> a whole a whole host of other things? But this one's just I... politically such a home run. Like it's a Republican governor at fault. Democrats need to win Michigan. So even even from the point of view of a cynical politician, this would have been the perfect thing for a Democrat to save the day on. But they didn't. They were just as they did. They decided
5: to be complicit. Yeah, you know, I don't. I don't know. I, I do know that people I have spoken with say Obama genuinely believed his EPA and people who were feeding him information that the lead, the, the lead levels were getting better in Flint, uh, that, you know, the uh, infrastructure was being replaced as fast as it could. Uh, if he if he believes that, I, I, he was incredibly naive. I mean, I broke a couple of years ago that Governor Snyder and his team were were manipulating the lead data to make it look like the lead levels were back to normal when they weren't. They were they were running people's water right before taking the tests, which is against uh, federal regulations for how you test water for lead. Uh, so, uh, based on people I spoke with, Obama was just kind of trusting his EPA, his uh, environmental people. Uh, to me, I think it's broader than that. At the end of the day, Wall Street was involved with poisoning Flint. Flint had received water from Detroit's water system for 50 years without a problem. And that was from Lake Huron, which is Great Lakes water, some of the purest, cleanest water in the world. So basically, state officials, city officials, landowners, banks had the brilliant idea, let's create a brand new water system for Flint, and they'll leave Detroit and get uh, and join this new water system. And JP Morgan and Wells Fargo were a part of that deal the the fraud that the rico charges were going to be based on was that was a fraudulent deal flint was broke it could not legally borrow more money so to me i think obama republicans the current democratic attorney general i think the fact that wall street could face significant liability in this uh i think that played a part in why a narrative has been pushed this is over It's solved. The water is meeting regulations. Now it's more like a trust issue. It's not the water's fine. It's just about regaining the residents trust. And uh, we know Obama didn't if Obama didn't go after Wall Street for tanking the global economy. What makes you think Obama would have done anything to go after Wall Street for a a fraud financial deal that led to a city being poisoned? And your
2: article points out that this case, this RICO case that you're reporting on uncovered. Possible new evidence of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo being especially complicit when it comes to this crisis.
5: Yeah, and by the way, J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo were sued civilly last year on behalf of 2,600 Flint children. So basically, why they were sued and why uh, they might have faced liability if these RICO charges got, went forward. So this this fraudulent bond deal. What allowed that fraudulent bond deal to? What allowed Flint, a broke city to borrow $85 million to join this new water pipeline was basically a a phony environmental order. So there was an environmental order that was created uh, because Flint, if there was an environmental emergency, could there would be an exception and Flint could go past its debt limit to borrow more money. So there was no environmental emergency. It was basically concocted to clean up a a local lime pit, a, a sludge pit. And the money that was earmarked for that cleanup actually went to Flint's portion of this new water system, so Flint could join this new water system. Where J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo come in, uh, according to this environmental order, J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo, uh, they were supposed to do their due diligence to make sure that the Flint water plant, you know, water's treated by water plants around the country, that the Flint water plant was equipped to treat the Flint River water. The the Flint water plant needed $60 million in upgrades just to have the proper equipment to safely treat the water. At the time that they switched to the Flint River in April 2014, that was those upgrades were nowhere near completed. So that's that's where the liability came in in JP Morgan and Wells Fargo. They didn't basically cross, you know, check every box to ensure, hey, the upgrades that this environmental order say that the plant needs to treat the Flint River water they haven't been made. So that is where they fail to do their due diligence. That's, part of, that's a big part of the civil suit against them uh, that was filed in 2020. You've been uh, a
2: rare media voice for the people of Flint. When you speak to the families, what do they tell you about what they're going through, what the impact has been on children of the Flint poisoning, and how are they feeling right now about their government's response, both at the state and federal
5: level? Yeah, I think because there's been a narrative both by uh, the Republicans and Democrats and the media, unfortunately, that like the water's fine. Uh, I was just there six months ago. The water's not fine. I, I literally spoke with residents who were showing me rashes they're still getting, not like marks from years ago. Hey, this is fresh out of the shower. I speak with residents who are telling me they're still losing hair when they shower. I speak with residents who are telling me their eyes burn in the shower. I have been to homes in Flint, like within the last year where the water stinks. So, you know, a lot of people that have never been to Flint just lazily regurgitate data fed to them that the water's fine. If you actually look at the way the testing is being done, it's very cherry picked data. It's not comprehensive or widespread throughout Flint. So Number one, you speak with. if you go to Flint, you speak with the residents, they've been in an eight-year pandemic of not having clean water. Uh, there are still lines at churches to get donated water. This is eight years later in April. So that's a big reason I keep covering this is there's been this numbness and this narrative that this is over. It's not over. This, this community still does not have safe water and they pay some of the highest water bills in the country. Uh, in terms of, morale. The other thing is um, children have been permanently damaged, uh, learning disabilities, volatile behavioral issues that come from lead poisoning. Uh, You've had, uh, you know, students falling behind by two or three grades in terms of their testing and comprehension. And adults too. I mean, of course, children are very, very important. I mean, I talk to residents all the time. You have uh residents developing cancers at relatively relatively young ages they don't have any family history for these cancers you have residents uh developing kidney problems liver problems autoimmune disorders parkinson's and most of the people i talked to they were for the most part healthy before this water switch so this is a situation where people are slowly getting sicker and sicker people are slowly dying you know when you think of covid if people are going to get sick, if people are going to die, it's it's generally a, a relatively fast moving thing. This is something where people are getting sicker and sicker because the, the full effects of heavy metal poisoning, it takes many years for that to set in. And also it's not just lead. There was other contaminants in that water that the media basically ignored uh, PFAS. Uh, bacteria, legionnaires. So the residents are basically the way I describe it is they were poisoned. It's been covered up, and they're basically being left to slowly die. They don't have Medicare for all. They had a short-term Medicaid expansion that's up. Uh, they don't have universal health care. I talk to residents that literally are near bankruptcy. Trying to afford environmental doctors because for like heavy metal poisoning, a general internist isn't really your best option. Uh, so it's still very much a crisis. Uh, as a journalist and just a person, it's been frustrating for me because you know it's like being on a a boat that's in trouble and you're like putting out the flares and you just can't get anyone to see. You can't get the the broader media to care. I mean, I literally, Aaron, you know this uh, from some of your reporting the it should be that the hardest part of journalism is like breaking the story right like getting the information not getting broader media to pick it not getting broader media to give a damn it's been the reverse in flint i mean it's not easy to like get this i mean i've had to go to flint nearly 20 times to get build these sources you know get documents all that stuff but it's been way harder to get the Detroit Free Press to cover it. Detroit News, the Flint Journal, the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, all of them. I have literally been told. I was told by an NBC news editor, um, yeah, you know, they just they don't think for the amount of time uh, and resources we have to, we'd have to invest in this. We don't basically think there would be enough of a of a return, i.e., clicks, profit. I've been I was told by Mother Jones and others. Uh, is there a connection to Trump? when I pitched them Flint stories. So this is not just a story about Flint. This is the sickness in our media because there's been a five year fucking Trump circus and Russiagate and Stormy Daniels. And, you know, I get people, you know, yeah, there was some really terrible things about Trump, but stories like this are really what falls through the cracks when you have a media that is very, very concentrated in New York and DC and, and urban cities. You have a media that probably couldn't find Flint on a map. You have a media that has never been to Flint and you have a media that to them, the most important thing is like Russia and Ukraine or Mansion First Biden and, you know, the trivial horse race conf- conflict type of things and not like, it, it, are the children drinking safe water right now in Flint? Like, is anyone going to be held accountable? So that's kind of the, that's the, unfortunately, that's the journalistic world uh, we're all living in. The children of Flint might
2: feel better that the U.S. just delivered two hundred thousand pounds of new weapons to Ukraine. That might help their their plight yeah. to know that that more weapons yep. are on the way. And Saudi Arabia, and Saudi, yeah, 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 that's right. What
1: What do you think? I mean, it's interesting because Aaron had asked about why it wouldn't have been in Obama's best interest to, you know, actually come out on the side of the people of Flint and not at, on the side of um Governor Snyder and the poisoners of Flint but we see something comparable with the Democrats in general right like what we just saw with the voting rights uh bills uh acts that were not able to get the votes and I saw you on Brianna Joy Gray's show and she was on my show the other day the Katie Halper Show and she was kind of just like amazed by how bad this was forget like the right to vote forget the importance of enfranchising people what about Democrat voters? Like, why are the Dems so bad at at winning?
5: You know, I've tried to stay away from like, are they trying to lose? But you yeah. really have to look at it now and be like, this is this is like political amateur hour. And I I always go back to the same thing, and it's why I have the flag behind me. I I think to a lot of extent, uh, the Democratic Party does what the donors will allow. Yeah um I really believe that I don't think that donors want uh any minimum wage increase so Biden preemptively surrendered on a $15 minimum wage which he had no if,
1: choice the parliamentarian Jordan what are you exactly
5: saying? that 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 honestly could have been passed very I don't say easily but that could have been passed with presidential will and fighting uh you go down the list public option he doesn't talk about it anymore the $2,000 checks talk turned into 1400 um student loan. These are all things that any pollster, any pollster that is interested in actually winning elections rather than just being part of the consultant industrial complex would tell you, yeah, this got 70, 70% support. Uh, if you message it this way, all of these policies have extreme support. Um, so to me, I think that Biden in particular, there there is this conflict because look at it, Biden and the Democrats should have aggressively gone on offense against Manchin and Cinema and some of the others that aren't up front uh, are letting Manchin and Cinema take the arrows, but agree with them. But the problem is, if they would have done that, they're simultaneously trying to fundraise from the same donors that don't want Build Back Better. They're trying to fundraise for the midterms, Senate races, House races, um, governor's races. So it's kind of like you want to put out the message that you're for these things, but at the same time, the donors and the special interest that you're still addicted to, they're the very special interest fighting against these things. Do I think the donors are fighting necessarily against voting rights? No, I, I don't think they care about that because theoretically like abortion and other things, it doesn't really affect their bottom line. There's a difference between giving black and other oppressed people voting rights and whether their votes actually matter. There was a 2014 uh, Princeton study that basically said we're not a democracy, we're an oligarchy and said, uh, I think it was like maybe 10 to 15 percent of the time when there's majority public support, 10 to 15 percent of the time it's actually enacted in legislation. 50 percent of the time what wealthy elites want is enacted in legislation. So to me, I think the Democratic Party is basically doing what the donors want. I think part of that is the Democratic Party is run by people in their 70s and 80s who it's very hard to rewire dinosaurs. They believe that this is the only way to win. Uh, It doesn't matter whether Hillary Clinton loses to a game show host. It doesn't matter whether Biden barely beats that game show host in the Electoral College with every advantage. Uh, They don't look at actually political trends. They're entrenched in this system And that is a major reason I think Biden has surrendered on most of these things. Uh, Why is Biden not doing even one executive action that could help them? The donors don't want it.
1: And to hear the rest of the interview, please go to beautifulidiots.substack.com. That was great.
2: That was awesome. I so appreciate all the work that Jordan does. He actually puts himself out there. He does the hard work of going to talk to people, to report stories that otherwise yeah. just would not get covered. And what's more important than Flint, the poisoning of a city.
1: Yeah. It's still poison still has i clean drinking water. It's really an awful story. And I'm, it must be so frustrating. Like on top of the frustration of seeing that and the neglect of these people, then the neglect on a media level, he mentioned, you know, people just saying it's not worth it. The payoff isn't, isn't there. Yeah. Uh which is just doubly infuriating, doubly heartbreaking. I don't know what we should do. We should just put like body we should put some kind of cameras on the, on like I uh, I don't know how we would do it something, but that sounds crass and reality TV showish, but I don't know what to do. People should be sent these people med- these people's medical reports or something.
2: Mm-hmm. There needs yeah, to be something if you to can't that. get if you can't get outlets to care about the poisoning of a US city I mean, yeah. usually yeah, if wrong. the US poisons a foreign city, yeah. I mean no big what they can let that slide, but a US city. Yeah. In a swing state too, by the yeah, way. Yeah, right. You right. Know, We're where... like not
1: even asking people to be moral. We're just saying don't you for like self-interested reasons.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they love elections. They love covering election drama. And this is a major issue in a swing state. And uh, but you know, I, I he I hear even from people in Michigan that it's actually not even a big statewide issue in the media just like the 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 prevailing media disinterest in this story seems to be very very widespread and it's a it's a real kind of mystery and jordan touched on a lot of it as to why but it's still just as shocking
1: yeah it's really disturbing yeah so um but guys thank you so much for watching this please subscribe guys we got to get up for our subs just subscribe for free you just subscribe to our youtube channel uh, make sure you like our videos. Make sure you subscribe to our uh, Substack at uh, usefulidiots.substack.com. Our YouTube is youtube.com/slash/usefulidiots. I mean, honestly, you'll get some great chats. You'll get a great chat about left uh, media on left media beefing. Uh, we already got in the pike. I mean, you already we already dropped a great chat about Thomas Friedman talking about uh, why the Democrats should run on a Cheney ticket and also why they should take a follow the cue, follow the lead of Israel. And if those two things Israel loving plus Cheney loving plus Thomas Friedman, I can't think of a better. Trigger.
4: Trigger. 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 trigger I'm constantly triggered there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but you can be triggered and you can also find it on our uh, sub stack. So, so many reasons to join and rate and review us on iTunes or else Pod Save America wins.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. See you on Monday mornings. Monday morning, 10 a.m., where we talk about the Sunday morning news shows that we watch. That you don't have to. Hello, thank you so much for listening to and watching Useful Idiots. For full episodes and extended interviews, please subscribe at usefulidiots.substack.com. You can subscribe on YouTube at youtube.com/usefulidiots for clips, live streams, and full episodes. Also, subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Useful Idiot pod And use the hashtag UsefulIdiotsPod. Join us Mondays at 10 a.m. for the Useful Idiots Monday morning show where we discuss the Sunday morning news shows so you don't have to watch them.